What a win, and what a way to go into Thanksgiving week. A Monday night football triumph over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and with it, the Rams are now atop the NFC West and in the second spot in the NFC standings. We say good evening to DeMarco Farr. Looking forward to talking about that game with Les Snead in just a moment. First, DeMarco, happy Thanksgiving week. What are you looking forward to on Thursday? Turkey, dressing, stuffing, sweet potato pie, family. On Zoom, <laughs> lots of stuff. I mean, it's Thanksgiving football, nonstop football, and a nice place to lay down after I'm full. How about that? There you go. Yeah. Good to be home for yes, the sir. holiday, and we say good evening to Les Sneed as well. All of the uh, food will certainly taste better coming off of a Monday Night Football win, I imagine. Good evening. That's just you know how the NFL works, right? The whether it's Thanksgiving, whether it's the just a, a, a normal month or week in November or December, the food, the dinners, the rest of the week's just going to taste or smell a little bit better than uh, coming off a, a win and a loss. Hey, just want to point this out too as we get started. How about Jalen Ramsey? Another great game. And then he purchased $20,000 in Vaughn's grocery gift cards today that were distributed wow. at a turkey giveaway in South LA and England. So that's just awesome. Uh, another great way the Rams uh, are contributing on and off the field. All right, Les, give us your kind you of uh, interesting, Go ahead. Yeah, please. Uh, my, wife, my wife calls those uh, tight players, right? Switch flippers, right? You. Hmm. you 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 post game and you Tuesday or what have you you do your your charitable work uh, you show empathy you show uh, you know that you care about humanity but then all of a sudden you put on this uh, uniform uh, your equipment your helmet and you you switch the flip you know the flip switches and and you're ready to shut down some of the better receivers in football or at least or at least slow them down for sure that's right he's a grinch on the field and he's super generous off of it how about that that's a that's a really good observation tell Kara a good one we appreciate that i bet you i bet you demarco was a switch flipper uh well sort of i mean like off the field, i cared like, yeah you, you seem like a great guy but on the field did you, you know, flip the switch and now you're? I was you know, a little a bit warrior. psycho, to be honest. I mean, less. I mean, when you put that uniform on, right, and you're in your locker room and you're getting ready to play, and then that coach walks into the room and says your trigger words, which is two minutes, which means it's time to play. So from that point on, I'm a different guy, you know. Uh, but off the field, yeah, I do care. But on the field, yeah, it's it's a little bit different. I, I feel you. I'm not sure if I'm good as Jalen Ramsey, though. I can't erase your, your team's best player. I'm not that guy. You also didn't make as much to give away as he has. True. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. <laughs> uh, but back to the Monday Night Football win over the Buccaneers. I mean, incredibly consequential. It frames the uh, the stretch run here, which is home heavy, completely differently. Um, and now you got the inside track on the division. Les, what was your kind of just emotional reaction to getting that seventh victory and to do it in Tampa Bay? What's what's interesting about that game, right? And, and sometimes this time of year, and especially November, December football, when you, when you're in the hunt, when you're in contention, it's very similar to maybe an NBA or MLB series. And and right there, a team's going to end up. Maybe they go seven, and one team wins three. One teams wins four. But the reason I say that is just like you said, based on us coming into the game, probably what being the the sixth or seventh seed, not, I forget which one, you actually win that game and you go from six or seven to two and in the lead of the division. So that's, that definitely uh, 
you can't shy away from the the magnitude of the game. But but a, a lot of times I also look at it like this, just like those uh, NBA teams and major league teams have to do in a series is whether we the, whether we won or lost that game. Let's just let's just say that you lost the game last night, but you won every other game or the rest of the. Uh, I'm, I'm a, the, the six we have left, right? That game is just hey, one moment in time, and you'll you'll forget the magnitude of it. So there's there's two ways you have to look at it. You have to really have ironclad emotional control right now, right? Whether you were coming off major disappointment or let's call it very fulfilling plane ride home and like we said Thanksgiving tastes a lot better we still have to okay that's over and uh, enjoy Thanksgiving and now get on to the next opponent Sam Fran so this time of year ironclad emotional control whether it's a a disappointing result on Sunday or a fulfilling one uh, down the stretch because uh, at the end of the day it's going to be an accumulation of of wins and win percentages and things like that that matter. It's just one I get you and and you have to be sober about these type of things but I, I just remember beating my big brother in you know in basketball for the first time it, it made it, it was a big deal to me it, is it a little bit sweeter that you finally got to knock off tom brady that you know what that's a definitely anytime i think right monday night football tampa again one of the top teams in the nfc this year obviously tom coming from from New England, a nemesis uh, for sure, and a, a nemesis uh, a couple of Januarys ago for sure, and uh, to have a chance to, to compete against uh, against him and, and come out on top, that doesn't happen often if you if you look at his career record. So, again, all of those factors, and like JB said, just the way the you know by by having more points than Tampa. At the end of that game last night on that scoreboard on Ray- at Raymond James Stadium, uh, you know, it, it it did flip the math in the NFC for at least this week. So uh, now, it, now, uh, uh, let's say this: we we moved a couple of notches ahead in the race, and, and now some people are chasing us, and and, and we got to do our part to to continue ahead. And, and the nice thing is, right, we control our destiny. With DeMarco Farr, I'm J.B. Long, and this is the Coach McVay Show. Glad to have Les Snead with us tonight on this short week, this Thanksgiving week with the San Francisco 49ers in town next. Uh, Coming up, we'll talk about how Matt Gay became the third Rams kicker. We'll also ask for his evaluation of Joe Nopum's first career start at left tackle. But staying big picture, Les, in our opening segment here, even after last night's win, I don't think your Rams have played their best game yet. I still think there's an offensive outpouring to come. I still think there's a perfect kicking game to come. And, and I'm not mad about that upside, that upside at 7-3, and three, are you? Uh, I, I definitely agree. You look at last night, uh, there was uh, the, the 24 points that, that a, a very good Tampa team scored. Right, they, their, their first 14 came on explosive PIs. So we, we have to to clean up that some uh, a, a little bit or, or get the officials to to be more Rams oriented whichever whichever side of the coin you're on that'd be interesting JB whether when you were calling the game whether you were uh, pro uh, ref or not in those situations but a lot of times that has to do with your emotional ties to the team less, obviously less as always with the officials I have ironclad <laughs> emotional control is that the expression you used earlier I don't <laughs> that is that is the expression I was that's definitely going to steal that I didn't think I'd use it this early 
yeah, you that that's it. And then you look at their 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 seventeenth, their three points they got after that was the was the uh, interception off the screen, and then we gave them another short field. They got twenty four. So, you know, it wasn't like they took the ball from the twenty five all the way uh, into the end zone, right? Uh, both of the PIs, we had actually got them off the field on third down, but, uh, you know, because of uh, penalty, kept them on the field, things like that. So, and again, there's probably a few series there where our, our offense could have maybe made it a 10, 14-point lead when it was seven uh, that we didn't capitalize on, you know, based on, the, you know, maybe there were some penalties and, and things like that. So, like you said, uh, we missed another field goal, things like that. Not a perfect game. The enemy has a say. Anytime you play a good uh, enemy, a quality enemy like Tampa Bay, they're going to definitely uh, – they're going to do some disrupting where your game's not going to be perfect. But I, I think you're, you're on to something, uh, JB, that, okay, we know what we can do. We know we probably hadn't gotten there yet, even though we're fulfilled at, at where we're at. But I think uh, – the good that we've done has led to a, a probably a rational confidence that we have, but also a belief that uh, we can get better over the next uh, six games. Ironclad uh, what? Leading into what? Emotional control. Yeah. Uh, Ironclad emotional control. And DeMarco's looking at me like, you're such a liar. No, you I you like never that. have any kind of emotional well, he, control when it comes to the official. He just dropped another one. Well, yeah, that was kind of frustrating. I mean, why would you blow that dead? That should have been a safety or no, at least I, a safety. Yeah. Just that's just us. It's probably easier said than done. Right, right. We're not out there. <laughs> Les, I've heard from behind the scenes that. Uh, sorry to cut you off. I've heard behind the scenes that you may not have ironclad emotional control oh. when it comes to in-game uh, viewing either. He's gotten over that. I it, yes, no. That that is very true. And and I I even write down an outline. JB and Demarco going into a game, and and I have it on my my phone where I have to go to it sometimes during a game. But we all know, right, when the amygdala's firing, uh, I'll even forget to go to that that checklist. But uh, I like to say, and last night I did it uh, throughout the game, is to, to stay calm as I'm always, ta- I'm always telling myself one play at a time, one play at a time. So try to live in that one moment, right, the, uh, uh, an interception or maybe a tuck rule-ish type fumble that didn't go our way. Okay, get over that. That's over now. Didn't go our way. Live to you know, live to play the next play. And what I try to do really as a general manager, because I, I don't have any say in, in what is going on per se uh, in terms of strategy on the field in the moment during the game. But I do try to analyze. Right? Are we actually playing better than this team? You know, let's call it each play at a time. And, and and usually in the NFL, right? And you're going to go through some ebbs and flows and, and have bad luck and, and have turn things like that. But if if you truly think that you're playing better than that team on offense and defense, what have you, you know, kind of play in and play out, uh, usually that's going to lead to a good chance of winning the game, especially if you if we. Uh, do not have major negative plays. And last night I kept thinking, okay, if we don't have catastrophic turnovers, we got a good chance of, of winning this football team based on how the defense was playing. Oh, 100%. I, I think if you scored every play like you do rounds in boxing, 
uh, you win going away. I thought you you outplayed. I think everything that Tampa got for the most part, uh, you gave them. You, you helped them out a little bit, but your defense bailed you out. But let me ask you this: uh, from a GM's perspective, and JB and I have been throwing this back and forth. Uh, style points don't matter in the NFL. Um, I know there's the pursuit of perfection, and there's also pursuit of wins. Uh, most people are after wins and Super Bowl championships. So. But is it such a stinging indictment to say that you're winning on defense in the National Football League? Is that such a bad thing to 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 be known as that you're winning no, on defense? That, that was a big part of a division uh, uh, coming in to this year. Is uh, since Sean has been here cumulatively, right since 2017, we're top five in just about every offensive category. So. We, we 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 don't really lose sleep at night uh, from an offensive perspective, right? We do feel like we're a team that can score points. Uh, last night we showed that, right? There was an element of that. Hey, we gave we gave up the tying point, and we got the ball kicked it off to us in our court, and a couple of explosive plays later, we're in field goal range. But what we did want to do, uh, and and one of our intentions was, hey, can we? do some things uh and it started with the hired hiring of brandon uh can we help uh get our defense to that level right uh and 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 help it take one step above what's been a good defense and and see if it can become a dominating defense and that that was part of the vision uh that started this offseason and uh Seeing it come to fruition is actually fulfilling and not you I always say you don't want it one way or the other, right? You'd like to have a complete football team. That's the goal. So uh instead of just hey, we win on offense and, and you win a forty two thirty five game every every week. So I, I do think as we get closer to the tournament, uh when you do have to play outdoors, the weather changes a little bit. Uh playing good defense, being able to run the football is is a part of that old school cliche calculus formula that does mean something uh and does matter, especially when the when the climate's changing you have to play outdoor. Uh, in in December and January. Less we're only planning on indoor-outdoor games in January and February at SoFi Stadium. And that's where the Rams will be for Week 12 against the 49ers coming up. What do we make of Joe Nopum's debut at left tackle, stepping in for Andrew Whitworth, and also the rookies shine? Van, Cam, Fuller, Lewis, all impacting a Monday night football win. We'll talk to the man who drafted them as the Coach McFay Show with Les Snead continues on a Tuesday night from downtown Los Angeles on 710 ESPN. They're just great football players that have found a way to really um, exceed the expectations, I guess, given their draft slot. You know, you look at Jordan Fuller, we knew he was a great player. Um, You know, it was amazing that he was available when he was, but he came in and continued to demonstrate why, you know, we probably waited too long to get him when we did, actually. But I think Cam Akers and Van are going to continue to get better. But I've just been very pleased with those guys. I love this team, Sam, and and the way that these guys just continue to improve. That was Sean McVay from Tampa Bay in the winning locker room following a 27-24 victory over the Buccaneers. Speaking about his rookie class, Van Jefferson a touchdown, his first. Cam Akers a touchdown, his first as a pro. Fuller with two picks to clinch the win. And how about Lewis with the pass breakup that uh, Brady actually got back and threw again, but we don't need to talk about that. Anyway, all that to say, the rookie class, the class of 2020, as we welcome Les Snead back to the program, they played like vets last night. 
You know what they, they definitely did? They made they made uh some crucial, uh very uh important plays at the right time on Monday night football. So and that that's part of the, the development process, right? The maturation process that you go through, uh, you know, the development that goes on and, and then as 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 the developing goes on and, and a lot of, if you go back to Allen Iverson, right, and you go practice and practice doesn't mean anything and practice and it's monotonous and, and you get you get kind of why that statement's been blown up and, and football practice can be monotonous. But that that is where, especially when there's not a preseason, things like that is where actually trust in the players is is garnered and and earned and and so in in the let's call it a Van Jefferson situation right where hey we're actually going to be in the red zone and, and because of trust we're going to we're going to design this play and actually make uh him the the first read and, and and try to get a touchdown out of this series so uh I give I give the players credit I give coaches credit I give the uh, vets uh that uh you know, are their teammates credit for doing their part and in, in helping develop these young men to you get know, to where they are now? Yeah, it's it's a credit to coaching, no doubt, but it's also imperative in today's NFL, today's NFL economy, when you start paying guys that you have to develop your young guys. So your young guys paying dividends on Monday night, I think, is huge. But going back to that Van Jefferson touchdown, that, that little juke quick slant, uh, we were talking, man, it's been a while since we've seen a goal line slant been a couple of years and you know how many times do you think he's run that route in his lifetime considering who his father is you know what I mean it looked like he's well, done yeah, that forever yeah there's no doubt considering Sean and I and I actually texted Sean the day Sean Sean I was I happened to be uh with the Falcons and, and we signed Sean Jefferson from New England so got to know him as a player and obviously somewhat being a peer in this league as, as he's become a coach. There's no doubt Hat never asked, you know, when 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 he started teaching Van the route tree, but it, it I guarantee he could run the route tree before he could walk if you if you know Sean and and if you know Sean it was it was probably at five AM and then can't come back at <laughs> there's probably three a days going on before he could walk. But I interesting one of our uh uh lieutenants or one of my lieutenants, James Gladstone had sent me some clips today, but he ran this same let's call you know route against LSU when he was at Florida. He did that uh, a few times against some of our really good vets in practice uh, this training camp that maybe uh, the world didn't get to see, and then he, he did it again last night. So I sent that series of of clips to Sean and go, hey, uh, definitely a proud father in the house. And definitely wanted you to see that. But uh, going back to running that route against some really good corners at LSU, some really good corners uh, with the Rams, and and now last night against the Bucks. So pretty neat to see. Well, he's not a rookie, but he is a player you drafted with a role in mind. Speaking of Joe Noteboom, who steps in at left tackle for Andrew Whitworth, who's been a pillar for this era of Rams football. His first career start at left tackle in the National Football League, and now you've really got six full quarters of sample size against top-level competition going back to the second half against Seattle. How's he played so far? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll put it to you like this, and uh, we, we have this family tradition, and I'll, I'll admit I only do it if we, if we win. But the family tradition is sometime after the game, during the week, we'll watch the TV copy. Uh, together, but going back to last week when he stepped in for for Big Wit, right? He, all of a sudden, 
you didn't you, no, no one really even discussed in the second half right that Witt was gone or that brought up no because usually if you if you bring up a tackle's name it's usually for something uh, negative and I, I do remember Troy Aikman kind of mentioning somewhere in the fourth quarter well how about that uh, you know we had mentioned Joe Newtboom all game so that must means he's doing well and I, I think last night was the same I think that's the when when you don't notice a tackle giving up uh, some significant pressure, or maybe getting a hold call or missing a, a crucial block on a on a, a you know a short yardage situation or something like that, that means uh, you're doing your job. That's the life of an offensive lineman. But uh, I give Big Whip credit again, along with Coach Chrome. They've been mentoring, developing this young man. He's played both guard and tackle. Uh, it's interesting. Last week. Right. Instead of playing guard sometimes for you, it's it's more maybe beneficial for the we, the Rams, that you go into a, a game as as a backup third tackle, knowing you could play both tackles. Right. Instead of starting at guard, just because if you do need that player like we did last week, and we, you know, will now for a, a few games, just hey, he's ready for that. He's preparing for that. He's practiced for that, and it's good to. Always, it's it's a negative that Big Wit is down. Similar to last year, uh, these players, uh, these young players, get to uh, they'll get their feet wet. They get to make some mistakes. They get to learn from them, uh, apply some of those lessons, and, and then continue improving. You know, I actually thought you'd be here anyway in 2020. I I was surprised. I was happy when Wit came back. You always want great players. He's a great left tackle. Uh, he's a leader on this football team. So when he decided to play again, very happy. But I actually thought, I guess going into 2019, that 2020 would be the start of his left tackle career anyway. That's why I wasn't really surprised at how well he picked up the offense and how well he played within it. Talking about Joe Noteboom. No doubt. And again, it, we drafted, uh, you know, no, because of that. Right, he did. He does have the traits uh, to be an offensive tackle in our league, and 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 we did know that. Okay, at some point, you know, Big Wit's going to raise his hand and want to go to the, uh, you know, go play golf for a little while instead of this football thing. But I don't know if that's coming anytime soon. If we know Big Wit, right? He might be the the Tom Brady of, of offensive tackle. <laughs> but what I give uh, I give Big a note credit is. Even coming into this year, right, no off season uh, in terms of let's call it strength training within our building. Having that injury injury last year, he came in in really good shape. He came in stronger than he was the previous year. He did that right without let's call it NFL or normal NFL structure. And then we had Dave Edwards. I mean, coming back and Corbett, but because of of uh, Joe's play during the preseason, he earned a starting job at, at guard again because I mean, easily could, the incumbents were coming back. But so you give Joe credit. Very unfortunately, again had that injury. Uh, I know it was tough on him, and it was tough on him to come back and go. Geez, I'm, I'm back to being the the third tackle. But at, at the the cliche is, and it's true, you can't let that affect your preparation because you're one snap away. And he was one snap away and, and has come in at one of the tougher positions in football. And, uh, you know, through, uh, let's call it a game and a half, uh, thumbs up for, for Big Joe and what he's helping us do. 
Coming up on the Coach McVeigh Show with Les Snead, we will compare and contrast Jared Goff's performance, let's just say three weeks ago against the Miami Dolphins, with a return trip to Florida and a successful one against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Plus, Los Angeles claimed former Patriots defensive end Derek Rivers off waivers this week. What's the thought process there? We'll ask the GM. Still to come on the Coach McVeigh Show, 710 ESPN. Hope you're having a great night, everyone. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, and Les Snead here on the Coach McVeigh Show, Week 12 edition. The San Francisco 49ers will be at SoFi Stadium, the rematch in the NFC West. The Rams lead that division now by virtue of their 7-3 mark, coming off a Monday Night Football win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And we bring Les Snead back to the program. It was, uh, I know, nice for Sean McVeigh, who commented on it post-game, to be able to pat his quarterback on the back for the work that he did between say three weeks ago flying home from Miami and flying home last night following a uh, a resounding 51 pass play performance in which uh, he got the touchdowns and moved the ball the way he needed to against some of their pressure concepts to get that win yeah I think it could be as simple right as the uh the Gulf Coast uh better than the Atlantic Coast I like it uh uh, but I do think what what really is me, and I think what Sean, what Jared, they have to fight each week is uh, each team we face uh, definitely goes into their game plan and going, okay, how, how do we how do we slow them down? Uh, there is an element of of okay, th- this team can score and it can score fast. So the interesting thing what they have to to dive into each week is is maybe what uh, an opponent's put on uh, tape coming into it, but some of the wrinkles they may put in to, uh, you know, try to, uh, let's call it, uh, slow down uh, Sean, slow down Jared, slow down the Rams' offense. But I, I do think going through what we did in, in Miami in, in some of those pressure situations did probably help you uh, in a very uh, – what can be a, a similar genre of scheme where there's going to be some uh, pressuring going on and pressuring from all angles. So I, I do think what happens is, right, you go through something, you go through something a little bit different. Uh, there's some lessons there. Usually lessons are from some uh, not-so-good moments. Uh, Herm Edwards uh, calls it right, you never lose, you're always learning. So how do you learn? You actually apply it to the, the next opponent. So I do, I do some, of, some of those lessons did help us last night and, uh, and, and hopefully help us uh, moving forward as well. It's funny, Les. Uh, JB and I were taping another show, and we had a guy on talking about another quarterback, and He's got all the tools, you know, yada, yada, yada. But the question is, can you win with him? And it made me think of a conversation I was having with a guy at a grocery store about Jared Goff. And I said, Jared Goff has won 40 games since 2017. Do you know what the guy looked me square in the eye and said? Yeah, but you can't win with Jared Goff. It it, it doesn't make sense, right? (laughs) Well, it's interesting, uh, DeMarco, right? Since 2017, counting playoffs... Uh, there's a sub, there's one QB. We played him last night. Uh, Tom Brady has 48 wins, and the next QB is uh, with 42 wins, counting playoffs, is Jared. And then in third place with 41 wins is Drew Brees. So uh, I I, it, I get it. I think sometimes right with fans, the emotions of it, maybe some narratives that are out there. You, we as humans, right, forget to 
maybe do a, <laughs> a very simple research project to see, okay, the object of the game is to win it. Uh, and a lot of times that, you ultimately that's what you want in a QB, right? Do, do we, the Rams have the QB, uh, that gives us the chance to win each and every Sunday. And I know, uh, the model of, uh, Sean is our head coach, offensive play caller, his staff, Jared as a QB, uh, the weapons around him, basically number two in wins since 2017. Uh, so that's that does you could tell the guy at the grocery store that he's actually wrong, but maybe he would rather have another QB. I, I get all of that argument, uh, and a lot of times when you get into QBs, right, you might be comparing the QB right to uh, to Patrick Mahomes or 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 whomever. Uh, but Jared and and Sean have done a really really uh, rare job of winning since. Uh, uh, partnering together back in 2017. I was told not to fight with stupid anymore. So just, you know, just let them be. You know what I mean? Well, usually you're not going to change anyone's mind. <laughs> right. That is, especially in a grocery store. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> but if you throw out, hey, he's sandwiched in between, uh, sandwiched in between Tom Brady and Drew Brees and wins since 2017 and ahead of Aaron Rodgers and, and people like that, then there's an there's an element there that shows durability. There's an element there uh, that shows the uh, ability to produce at a, at a winning level, and 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 that and, and winning does a lot of things, right? Winning, there's so much that encompasses winning. Sometimes you have to hand the ball off to finish a game off. Sometimes you have to go uh, right eight of eight of nine on the first third downs in a game like last night and, and then get the ball at the end and, and make a couple plays to, to get a field goal. Uh, and sometimes you're going to have to have an experience like Miami so that when you come to Tampa, you don't hate, you don't turn what could be one loss into a second loss and, and you, you learn some lessons. That's the, I think that's what compiling wins shows uh as a tandem with 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 sean and jared it's not always going to be perfect it's not always going to be pretty but there is perseverance there's mental toughness there is ebbs and flows there is lessons applied the main thing is those lessons are applied and and they lead to the results we want on sunday and mondays and maybe thursdays too coming up here soon He's last knee with DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long. This is the Coach McVay Show, previewing Week 12 against the San Francisco 49ers. Les, can you tell us the story of how Matt Gay became uh, Rams kicker number three this season, and do you feel like you have a long-term solution at that position after his uh, debut performance? I, de- I definitely think that he definitely has the tools uh, to, to, to be a long-term solution. And, and what's interesting, I think, I think it, it got mentioned a little bit, uh, I know uh, – Johnny Hecker and Jake McQuaid had uh, had uh, reached out to Sean, and, and we ended up discussing it with them a little bit because those guys, what's interesting, they, they scout kickers, right? In pre-game, right, the kickers go out two, three hours, whatever, early, right? They're out there before anyone's out there, and it's just them on the field kicking, doing their thing. So there is this element. They get to know each other. They kind of have that ecosystem of kickers, punters, long snappers going. They take notes. They do a nice job of scouting. So, uh, like UJB, who had seen Matt at Utah, right? Very, very strong leg. That's, that's obvious. 
and and they had taken note of that. What's very interesting about this year and when we went into this, uh, let's call it, knowing that we had to solve our kicker situation, right, uh, moving on from Greg. And, and even with some of Greg's struggles last year, whether we'd have kept Greg or not, right, we, we needed to clean up the percentage. But uh, one of the ways to do that, too, I call it the Matt Prater rule. Matt's kicking in uh, Detroit now. But there is there is this group of kickers who come in the league that are talented but may have the yips as a rookie or sophomore and you go through preseason and another kicker beats them out or, or a team wants to bring in a veteran instead of going with the young player and a guy like a Matt Prater comes free. Well, we didn't have that preseason this year, so it did. And then with the COVID rules, not being able to bring people in and work them out immediately, go through this six-day process, a little bit hard to just bring in a Matt Gay and say, oh man, look at that leg. Let's let's sign him. And and then now with COVID too, these kickers were on practice squads, which normally teams didn't uh, keep kickers on practice squads. So there's so many variables that made our our kicking search uh, uh, a little bit tougher than probably uh, we wanted, uh, or or definitely should have uh, made it. But uh, give uh, Johnny Jake credit. Give you know. Uh, you know, our, our scouting staff credit for trying to work through this and solve this solution. And the nice thing about Matt being on a practice squad is unlike a lot of years past where kickers are, or maybe at some high school kicking, you know, each day he was in Indianapolis, uh, going through a regimen kicking. And, and when we were able to get him on board, uh, right, he, he was finally able to, to come to our building other than testing for COVID on Saturday. And uh, and then uh, we took off for Tampa on Sunday, and he kicked against his, uh, you know, his old team uh, on Monday night. Yeah, to hear Sean so McVay tell that's a short story made long. <laughs> well, well, to hear Sean McVay tell it, he might be able to play some middle linebacker for you. And coming up next, we'll ask uh, Les Snead if Mike Kaiser does miss time. Where do the Rams go in the middle of this fantastic defense? Plus, what should we expect from their latest waiver claim? All that before we're done on the Coach McVay Show with Les Snead tonight on 710 ESPN. All right, a little bit of news on the waiver wire as the Rams were getting set for Monday Night Football. With the Patriots upcoming on their schedule, the Rams actually claimed former Patriots defensive end Derek Rivers off of waivers, a former third-round pick in the 2017 draft. Uh, some injury trouble uh, derailing his career as we welcome Les Snead back to the Coach McVay Show. DeMarco Farr, JB Long with you. What do you see in this young man, and is he bringing his playbook with him to debrief? Well, the, to be brief, he he uh, has been playing in a in a similar scheme in New England, body type that we like, uh, tall, long, heavy-handed, strong at the point. Uh, you know, has been you know can can do some power rushing and, and game rushing. And, and really, what we wanted to do is solidify a position down the street down the stretch that's very important. Uh, that's the OLB position and, and with us only having three ILBs and 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 Mr. Hollins a, an old Oregon friend of yours being able to be a backup uh, ILB and uh, OLB having some of the injuries that we've had there we, we plan to get Obo back soon T. Lewis has been bogged down up and down some with injuries just just wanted to solidify that position uh, and and an opportunity came along it wasn't like we were searching but uh a lot of times when there's an op- an opportunity presents itself, uh, we have to analyze whether that opportunity is worth 
uh, exploring for us or not. Uh, just quite third round pick. I mean, I, I assume if it wasn't for injuries, he would still be there. I I don't know him that well, but you know that's that's a premium pick. So I assume without the injuries, he'd still be in New England. Yeah, he, he was at Youngstown State. They had a couple of defensive ends. Uh, then uh, I remember doing him he coming out. He had an ACL a rookie year. Uh, you know, can't I forget what the injury was? Uh, second year, it did seem like it was undisclosed. So there was one of those moments of maybe New England red shirting the mm. player. But last two years, he has played and has been playing about ten or fifteen plays a game for them uh, this year. So not sure necessarily. Hey, why? They needed the roster, but I know they were bringing up Sony Michelle, so that that's one of the reasons they picked Derek, and, and we thought it was an opportunity for us to explore. And, and you know, this is year four for him. He's actually an unrestricted free agent, but uh, could give us definitely quality insurance depth uh, and and snaps down the stretch here. Since you mentioned uh, the inside linebacker position, the only injury I'm aware of coming out of last night would be Micah Kaiser late in that one. Uh, if he does miss any amount of significant time, where do you go next? Is it Troy Reader against think, the San Francisco 49ers? I believe it's Troy Reader. I think we were talking off off the air coming in right last time Troy Reader played. He had three sacks, so we'll definitely take that performance again. And, and Troy was a guy who, who started 10-plus games for us last year, so I, I think you'll see us. You know, stay within. Uh, I think I just mentioned in the segment, uh, Mr. Hollins does can can do OLB and and uh, ILB four, so that gives us some internal depth uh, that maybe doesn't just get on everyone's depth chart because he, he's he's listed as an OLB four. And we do have a couple players on, on practice squad that that we really like. We like their upside, and, and when these with these standard elevations, doesn't necessarily mean we've got a put them on our 53 uh, for the week, but we can actually bring them up on Sunday to the 53 and activate them to the 48 if needed. But I think you'll see us, whatever happens there with Micah, stay stay within in terms of game day and and, and have our depth, uh, you know, be provided from within as well. Mac and cheese for Thanksgiving, right? Come on. You can have mac and cheese for I, Thanksgiving. You know what? I, I you know, it's, it's, I do, I do probably uh, color outside the lines on my uh, what some would say pretty strict diet uh, on Thanksgiving, but I, I think mac and cheese is way outside the line. I mean, not that I can't say that back in the good old days of being 250 pounds at Auburn University, some good mac and cheese was on the menu, but in my, you know. <laughs> Post way long ago days, mac and cheese off the menu, and they don't. It doesn't make it on Thanksgiving, but I, I can't say there's going to be probably some element of pumpkin pie. Oh yeah, sneak into there. Okay, you know. So what I do is I know this. Okay, if we call Thanksgiving one of those days you splurge, I'm going to really kind of, you know, pick and choose what I splurge on. So, but pumpkin pie will definitely be on there. We can never have Monday Night Football before Thanksgiving again because then when you end up doing these shows on a Tuesday, I can't get DeMarco off of food and on to football. But nonetheless, Les, uh, we appreciate you taking the time as we always do. Good luck back at SoFi Stadium and down the stretch here as you take on the San Francisco 49ers. We appreciate the luck, and you know what's good? That we're going to be at SoFi a lot down the stretch. You sure are. Looking forward to that for sure. For Les, for DeMarco, I'm JB Long. Have a safe and enjoyable Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening on 710 ESPN.